You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is Archery Unfiltered, the show that cuts out all the nonsense and gets right to the core of what it takes to make you a better archer. What's happening, fuckos? It's Friday! Happy Friday! Uh, It's a day later than my usual podcast, but I figured I gave you guys a bonus on Sunday. I did one on Sunday, so... You know, wasn't sure if I was going to cut one on Thursday. I ended up working on my buddy's bow instead. Um, yes, if you can hear that in the background, it's my my dog walking around. She needs her nails clipped. But anyway, instead of doing a podcast for you guys, I thought I'd be a loyal friend to my buddy Jim and work on his bow. I installed a, a new set of strings on his Invicta. Um, pretty sweet. These were the... Uh, the Parkinson's, Tom Parkinson's strings. Um, pretty cool stuff. I did a, a tiny little video and just showed you guys the differences between a uh, 32 strand, 452X uh, cables, and, you know, whatever the ghost strings are. Um, There's a lot of little differences that you can see in, like, uh, Tom Parkinson's strings versus the ghost strings. Uh, I'll, build quality was pretty much it right is you know the the end loops on the servings um we're just it's just night and day different right now regardless of uh, i'm gonna try to make an argument that we should be supporting guys like tom parkinson i'm not gonna go out and say like you must buy parkinson strings right the thing that turned me on to tom parkinson was steve anderson did a post on instagram or facebook and he was saying, um, hey, you know, like, this guy has been building strings for me forever. Everything I've won has been with his strings. Linda Ochoa shoots his strings, blah, 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 right? So, you know, in archery, there is no equipment that you can buy that adds points, right? That is all hype advertising bullshit. But there are products that get out of your way. So it's like the thing with arrow tuning, right? And how I'm talking about building arrows. I'm trying to help you guys find an arrow build that doesn't cost you anything. You're like not not monetarily, but you know what I mean like doesn't penalize you. So the idea is you remove roadblocks, right? Little roadblocks. And I think a good set of strings is definitely one of those. And that roadblock can be in terms of like changing strings, how often you have to change them whether or not they stretch, how much time you got to put into getting the peep right, all that junk. Um, so anyway, I saw Steve Anderson's post and I was like, oh shit, this is kind of cool. Um, granted, I don't have an Invicta, <laughs> so uh, it was just kind of on the back of my mind. Um, I've since been getting friendly with Butch Baker of Baker Archery Products. He's a fan of the show 
and Butch told me that he knows Tom Parkinson, and they're they're all cool guys, you know what I mean? And uh, or they're cool to each other, you know? They're kind of like industry guys, but they're not. What's the word? I want to say like commercially blown up or something like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm kind of messing it up, but basically. I've been a big fan of small business, right? That's why I support Carbon Craft Stabilizers. That's a small business. Those are guys out of Fresno. Uh, you know, Brian Webb uh, at Impact in Fresno. Those guys are the dudes that build. Brian is the guy that builds the Carbon Craft Stabilizer. Um, it is an amazingly good stabilizer for the price and the fact that it's it's being made here. You know what I mean? Uh, I have yet to shoot a stabilizer that beats it. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I have I have some bee stingers on order, the new bee stinger, but supply chain got me down, so I won't be trying those bee stingers out for a couple weeks. Um, I mean, Tim Gillingham's got like four fucking stabilizers on his bow. He can't break one off for me. Eh, you know, whatever. He, he thinks he's going to win with them. But um, anyway, anyway, getting back to what I was going on, um, my buddy Jim was like, that's that's awesome. This guy, here's a craftsman who builds a legit set of strings and they're championship proven, right? So Jim went ahead and ordered a set and I was way on board with it. I was kind of like, oh, cool. It's another craftsman, you know, not far removed from Carbon Craft. Um, One thing I really like about the small business thing is there's not a lot of hype, (laughs) right? It's performance driven stuff, not crazy hype. And... Like a long time ago, I did a bunch of tests with stabilizers to show the deflection, like the values, like how much they flex and how long they vibrate for. I did a small sample, right? I I wouldn't even begin to say it was a thorough test of all the industry stabilizers. But I took, at the time, the industry's very, you know, high-end stabilizers. And I compared them all. And I compared everything to the Carbon Craft Bar. And the Carbon Craft Bar was a much stiffer, uh, it got rid of vibration faster type stabilizer um so here we are with strings and i see companies like you know oh i won't well let me try to be classy for this episode i'm not gonna go bash a bunch of companies but i see companies you know they have their proprietary blend right a good example is uh, even for for I, I bought and shot exit wire magnums for a, for a long time i think it was like a a whole season i won field nationals with exit wire magnums on my Hoyt. Um, first 899 I shot in Vegas was with 452X, though. Um, again, none of it is adding points. It's just they're being the strings are there to be stable, not creep on you, not do a bunch of crazy shit, and hopefully last long enough, you know, whether it be a season or two seasons, if you're lucky, so that, um, you know, you don't have to go tearing your setup down and building it back up again. Um, so, you know, I've bashed on... So, I'll try not to bash on individual companies, right? But basically, X, Y, and Z companies will create a string. It'll be proprietary, right? And then they'll sell it for 150 bucks, right? That's a decent price for a set of strings. I'm not one to bash uh, that price. That's a good a good price. Um, some other ones, like the ones I mentioned earlier, 
will cost you $200, maybe even a little more than that. Um, you know, were my exit wire magnums perfect? They were pretty damn good. They were slower than a 452X set of strings, meaning like I lost speed on my arrows. Um, the only thing that ever happened to that set of strings was I had serving separation near the cam, which is very common for Hoyts. And uh, I also had center serving separation, which I've had on every bow, except for the bow I'm shooting right now. Um, that was the most expensive set of strings. I think it was like 200 something bucks. It might've even been more. I think I got like a deal on it through the shop, but even with the deal, they were extremely expensive. Um, and now, you know, there's Jesse Broadwater strings, which are 452X undyed strings, which is what, you know, a lot of pros have been running already. Um, and they're, I think they're like 170 bucks for the freak show strings. And it's like, wow, man, I know there's some kind of, you know, you get to learn, you get strings that have Jesse's, you know, his sleaze on it or whatever. Maybe he rubs his balls on the 452X spool before they make it and then they upcharge you for it. Cool, you know. I want everyone that's shooting freak show strings to know what you're getting in that set of strings, the strength is in the 452X natural string. That's what it is. There's no wax in that string. So on a hot day, a bunch of wax isn't going to bleed out of it and change your timing or, or feel different or change your marks or any of that shit, right? Um, in my experience with my, all the 452X natural strings that I've shot, I've only had to retime them once. And, you know, granted, I'll take uh, a thousand shots before I retime it. I won't take like, I know some guys will shoot it like, shoot their bow one day and then they'll retime it the next day and they're like, all right, I'm good to go. Ah, you might want to give it some. You know, give it like a week or something. But, um, yeah, 170 bucks for natural. Okay, well, you get the Broadwater name. You get the cool little shrink tubing on there. That's cool. Um, let me give you a rundown on the Parkinson's string, right? The first thing that's cool is if you're shooting a Hoyt, you get the option of 32-strand uh, cables versus 28. What does that mean? It's like if you want, so, so I got to talk to Tom Parkinson. I called him on the phone, or he called me, and we had a little chat. Twenty-eight. He assured me twenty-eight strands of of natural will not move. Like after you get your timing set up, you know, you shoot it through, you let it shift a little bit, and then you retime it. He said that's going to be stable as hell. Thirty-two is like stability. I think I said on my video, stability on crack. It's stability plus, right? It's a stability plus a life insurance policy. There's other things that come with that 32 strand though, because now their cable is are thicker. Um, so they're gonna change your holding weight and they're gonna change the timing of your boat ever so slightly. Um, I think they also change your the draw length, the overall draw length just because it changes like the rotation of the cam. And I could be way wrong on this, and I'm sure Tom Parkinson will shoot me a message and be like, you know, Wendell, you had some things right, but you were mostly pretty wrong. Um, and you guys know me. I love to correct myself on this show. I'm just, 
a lot of the show is me expressing myself as one, a consumer, just like you guys are, two, an archer, just like you guys are. So, like, I don't get, you know, I'm not out there wheeling and dealing. I'm not getting a ton of free stuff. Um, a lot, I'm going to say a large percentage of what I have and shoot, I buy. I pay for, just like you guys. So, you know, now I got this kid. I got to sit with this kid. I got this beautiful baby daughter. I'm going to, I don't, I want to take as little food out of her mouth as possible. And so, and that comes in the form of buying archery shit, right? Um, the less archery garbage that is hyped up, that wastes my money, the less of that that I fall fall victim to, the better school maybe I can send her to one day, all right? Um, and this all goes with you guys, you know? And I know we all love archery and we want to support archery, and I get that. But let's do it smart. Let's not throw our money away willy-nilly, okay? The Parkinson string is better quality than I've seen yet on any string that I've bought with the exception of one set, Rudy Sandoval made me a set of 452X Natural a long time ago, and I would say it is on par with the Parkinson string. And it's like when you get guys that are building you a string that legit care about, like, okay, I, this guy's going to do some shit. He's going to go shoot, you know, presumably high scores, right? I don't, you know, I don't want my product to be the weak link here. Those guys go all out and they make you a legit thing. And um, Rudy built me a set of strings like that a long time ago for an Invicta that I hated shooting. So, um, you know, checking out the Parkinson strings, putting them on Jim's Invicta last night was really cool. Uh, firstly, because I've never seen a 32-strand cable before. That was my first time. And I know most people wouldn't get all boned up on that. But as an archery nerd, I've been doing, you know, I've been shooting archery for like maybe six years now. I've never seen a 32-strand cable. I've always been interested in fucking around with cable, um, you know, strand count and stuff like that. But, it, you know, I've just never, never had the opportunity, you know. I remember way back in the day, I think 60X bowstrings I, I spec something I was like oh I definitely wanted a 24 strand this or that and they were like yeah that's pretty that's normal <laughs> maybe it was 28 I can't remember 24 or 28 but they were, they were not impressed they are like yeah we do that already 11 inch yoke cable is one thing that I always spec'd for my Hoyts alright 11 inch um, what does that do it makes it so you can get really fine yoke tuning adjustments is it necessary not at all is it something that you can be you can talk about and brag to people about? Yeah. Yeah, I kind of was trying to tell people that's what made my bow special, 11-inch yoke cables. Anyway, not important. Uh, the Parkinson's string, really effing cool. Um, the 32 strands, the way it sits in the cam groove, looks pretty neat. Uh, Jim's bow is, it looks like it's glowing right now. Uh, I can't wait for Jim to shoot it and give us better feedback. Uh, my outdoor bow shows up today and I got a Halon X comp which is an old by today's standards that is an old ass bow um after I, I bought it I think I bought it on Facebook I asked Tom Parkinson hey can I get uh, a set of strings for this he said sure we talked about you know possibly trying to 32 strand uh gig with this but I guess Matthew's 
cam tracks are a little different. So um, Tom made me a set to try out and said, hey, you know, if this doesn't work for you or something needs to change, you tell me and I'll, I'll, I'll fix it for you. You can't get that kind of service from someone else. And I know it sounds like I'm doing a huge promo for Tom Parkinson. I am. But there's other guys out there that do this too, right? There are other string builders out there. I'm pretty sure Twisted X Bow Strings is one of those guys. Um, I, the guy that taught me to shoot, Emerson, he shot the Twisted X Bow String. And that was the last I heard of it. I have not heard of it until now. Um, where I see a couple people online posting, uh, you know, pictures of the Twisted X logo and stuff. So I remember that guy's strings were really good. I think I got serving separate or Emmy had ser serving separation like once or twice, but it's so common, you know, to get on strings. Like I had it with the, the exit wire magnums. And if you're shooting a spiral cam, you're going to, you know, the spiral cams are hard on string or on servings. Anyway. Jim got this set of strings, this 32 natural um, set for like less than 120 bucks. All right. You're getting race. Oh, what I call, it's like a race car or like a rally car, you know, rally cars. They're stripped away of all that. You know, there's no radio in it unless you're Kim Block and there's no passenger seat or, you know, in the back, there's no seats. Everything's stripped out of a rally car. And it's just meant to go fast. Well, I always thought about that with 452X strings. Undyed. No color. Um, no wax. No bullshit. It's just the same all the time. Now, I should preface this. I'm putting a ton of weight on how awesome 452X undyed is. Bodie won Vegas, and his were like fluorescent yellow. All right? So, like I said, you're not adding points to your game. I'm just trying to get stuff out of the way, right? The less things that can go wrong for me, the better. Um, so, anyway, Tom, uh, he charged Jim like less than 120 bucks, and he's get Jim's gonna he's got a set of strings on his Invicta now that I'll put money on outlast. Like this is just from eyeballing it. I bet you those the string and cables outlast. I'll say they outlast the freak show strings. And if anyone out there has freak show strings and has them, they're going to start shooting outdoor season. Like we should put a timer on it. Let's like, let's see. And I, <laughs> I'm like signing Tom up for a fight here. that he did not volunteer for, but like I said earlier, there's other um, guys out here that guys in our, our world, our archery world that do this stuff. Tom's just one of these guys who, you know, he's, he does it for Steve Anderson. He does it for Lindo Choa. So it just goes to show he's not just some Joe Blow down the street doing it. I don't know. I think it's cool. I'm excited to put, uh, you know, his strings on my, uh, on my bow. I should tell you guys in like full transparency, I have a set of gas strings on my indoor bow. They aren't ghost strings. I spec'd out 452X undyed way before the freak show strings came out. <laughs> and that's what I've been running. That's the the first set of aftermarket strings that Bose had. So, yeah. Um, you know, I get all up in arms about hype. And you guys, us, the consumer, being like duped into shelling out more money than is necessary. 
the freak show strings kind of made me wrinkle my nose for that reason. Um, what was cool about the ghost, the gas bowstrings, ghost strings, is they were like 120 bucks when they came out. I think they still are. So that's cool also. Um, if anyone out there that shoots gas strings that, you know, has stubble will notice those strings fuzz up like crazy. Uh, I don't know if they're like BCYX white, maybe with a little 452 thrown in there, but those strings don't hold up <laughs> to an unshaven face. <laughs> Just in my experience. Anyway, I wanted to tell you guys, I listened to Bow Junkie recently. I listened to the Greg Poole, um, Gaius Carter interview because he was interviewing Gaius. And I was like, dude, that guy is such a badass shooter. If you guys watch Gaius Carter, um, you know, he shot great at Lancaster. And then he shot really good in fucking in Vegas as well. Um, and I wanted to listen to it. I just wanted to listen to Gaius. You guys know how I feel about Greg Poole. Um, and if you guys really want to like stick your finger in your mouth and vomit, you guys should listen to Greg Poole and Dave Cousins interview. I like Dave Cousins because I took, you know, his seminar, but dude, listening to those two guys talk, it is cringy. It is cringy. It's like, um, it's like eating old, like if you left Jack in the box tacos in your truck for a week and forgot about them, and then, you know, you pull up to your community college class and you're 20 minutes early and you're kind of hungry and you're looking around your car for a candy bar and you find this bag of tacos and you're like, holy shit, Jack in the Box tacos, they stay good this long and you start to eat them and they're like, mm, they're not that good, but they're good enough. And you eat all of these tacos with this weird look on your face. That was me this whole interview. It's like these guys are kind of funny, but kind of... They're grease balls. They're basically grease balls. It's like if you put the Jersey Shore in a different state. That's what these two guys, what you get. Anyway, enough like low-key bitching about that. The Gaius Carter interview is really fucking cool. Apparently, Gaius Carter is like a prodigy shooter from birth who's been shooting and winning shit his whole life. And then he went to work at AAE. Like He just wanted to get in the industry. Um I heard Steve Anderson has a very similar story where like one day he just wanted up and wanted to go work at Hoyt or Easton or something like that. Um, so Gaius Carter's doing, you know, his path is similar. Gaius is way younger. I think he's like 20 something right now. Um, he talked about something that was really interesting. Uh, and this is funny because on his Instagram, Gaius, he will put up a picture of like, a piece of paper with, you know, weird scribble on it and some arrow holes as like a troll, you know, he's trolling people into being like, Ooh, what kind of tuning are you doing? You know what I mean? Like what kind of special tuning is this? Um, but he doesn't just set his bows up by the book. He, the one thing that he really like plays around with is his D loop location. And I thought this was really interesting to share with you guys. If you guys want to go check out the bow junkie, Gaius Carter, uh, interview it's a it's a good one as much as i hate on bow junkie there is good information out there and i don't never want you guys to be deprived of information that's what this is all about is us getting better and um so anyway gay has talked about running his d loop exceptionally low and i have done this on a hoyt in the past um i don't know if i'm supposed to but he was talking about 
the run out, like the way the cams like let um, they spool out string, they don't do it evenly. Some bows don't do it evenly. That means you know top cam will let out a little more than the other, uh, for whatever reason. They some cams have to do that to achieve a flat knock travel, right? And there's a guy on YouTube that actually tests knock travel on bows. And um, it's a very interesting one. I think it was like, what's his name? Archer 1968 or something. like. I, I'll, I'll find out and tell you guys later. But there's a guy who who will legitimately test knock travel on bows. So it's kind of cool. Um, but Gaius Carter was saying he changes his D-loop location for hold. And he said that he found that on PSEs, when that D-loop is lower or low in the burger hole, the bow holds exceptionally well for him. And what's crazy is Henry Bass told me like years ago that he runs his arrows super low in the burger hole. And so which would be, you know, uh, your knock point and everything would be low. Your D-loop would be low if you wanted a clean uh, paper tear. And he told me the reason was was because the closer the arrow is to your hand, the less it's affected by pivoting. Like if your if your bubble's not perfectly centered, it's less affected by that. Um, so I always kind of believed in that. I was like, oh, that's really neat. Oh shit, UPS is here. My bow's being delivered. Um, anyway, Gaius doesn't do it for that reason. He does it strictly for hold. In my mind, I would think that you could set, you know, you could set your knock point dead nuts middle and change your hold with stabilizer weights or running your top cam just a little bit first or, you know, whatever. I don't think anyone would run bottom cam first. I think I heard Angus Moss say he would run bottom cam first and I am not for that, but <laughs> maybe I heard wrong. <laughs> Sometimes people just want to be different too, but I, I, you know, maybe it works for some people. If you guys excuse me for one second, I'm going to open my door. Tell my dog to get out of the way. Oh yeah, new, new old bow time. So I should have got a new bow and supported my local shop. All right. Anyone that's worth their salt will support their local shop. But I think I'm going to do an old bow and try to restore it like an old muscle car. <laughs> anyway, give me one second, guys. I'll get right back to you. Wifey's on the phone. She's calling me right now. Listen to that Gaius Carter interview. Right? He talks about D-loop placement, and he does that to get achieve like a really good hold. Um, you know, I, I'd imagine in turn he's talking about his pin float. But also, you know, everything from draw length to grip pressure to, you know, it's all kind of connected. There, like, you can move your D loop up and down to do extremely fine adjustments for things like, uh, you know, grip pressure, draw length, um, stuff like that. I'd imagine he's doing it. He said he's doing it to achieve a hold. So I'd imagine it's like pin float aiming type thing. Pretty interesting stuff. Um, you know, I, I checked out my Halon X-Comp and saw that the modules are exactly the same. So, I would imagine for a Matthews, 
that has you know the top and bottom uh, modules having the exact same contours and everything the the spool out on that on that cam is going to be the you know pretty what's the word even symmetrical so you could probably measure to the middle and set that as your knock point and looking at whoever owned this bow before me it looks like that's what they did um so anyway uh Gaius also talked about something that I related to quite a bit, and I think a lot of you guys would also. Um, he was talking about some tournament that he shot where he did not shoot very well. I think it was the first Dakota Classic. I can't quite remember. Um, where he said, oh, no, it was, uh, out, I think he said Outdoor Nationals, where he shot he shot an arrow and missed the target entirely. And Greg Poole is kind of grilling him on this, like, tell us why that happened. And he was saying that he was not shooting, like, the, the whole day he wasn't shooting his shot. And I thought that was pretty interesting because I know the day one in Vegas, I wasn't shooting my shot either. And it wasn't until, you know, uh, I wasn't shooting my shot in practice and I wasn't shooting it, like, you know, for the first few wins. And then after I made my miss, I, you know, I had that epiphany and I said, you know, you owe it to yourself to shoot the shot that you know is correct and not try to cheat yourself. And I think that's what he was getting at, too, in his interview. He said, you know, I, I didn't, wasn't shooting my shot. And uh, I would imagine, you know, he had nerves or something felt funny, and he was trying to do a quick, a quick fix to it, and it cost him. So uh, that was kind of cool to hear uh, a shooter as good as him talk about going through something that I think most of us deal with from time to time and I think it's important to lean on the shot that you're practicing and I think it's the the thing that Blake Jerome talks about with blank bailing and why it's important I firmly believe blank bailing is important because it uh especially during times of nerves it will teach you it will remind you of what your shot feels like and when you when the nerves are really on you're feeling all kinds of foreign shit in your shot and if you've done a bunch of blank bailing even that day uh it's easier to sift through the foreign bullshit and kind of lean back on your own you know what is your shot and uh you know two days in vegas um this my saturday and sunday days I didn't even shoot a target uh, before, you know, like, you know, you go, go to the AB halls or whatever, and pra or not, maybe not the AB halls, but the practice halls, and you can, uh, you know, shoot a little bit before you got to go put your 300 out. On Saturday, all I did was blank bail. Like, I'm, and it wasn't even that long. I must have done maybe 30 or 50 arrows of blank bailing, and, uh, and I did the same thing Sunday. And it, it was just to get that feel uh, programmed in my brain of what I want a good shot, what my shot feels like. And it's like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you guys, not that you care, but you know, a good shot, my shot that I've been working on with the button is pulling harder, harder and, and gradually into the wall and not, not, uh, well, as my buddy would say, my buddy tomorrow would say, don't bitch out on the back end. Right. And it's, uh, not being tentative. It's, you know, knowing that you're going to have, your aim is going to take care of you. 
um, and not stopping. You know, the, the the pressure on the back end. That thing can, that's how you develop target panic is starting this whole like, oh, not yet, now. Oh, now I'll go now. Oh, not now. I don't want that. You know, that's... That's not that's not going to lend itself to good shooting. So, um, you know, what I was focusing on when I was blank bailing on Saturday and Sunday. You guys can go back and listen to the Vegas episodes. I'm sure I talk about it then. I'll, I'll try not to waste your time with it here. But, uh, you know, what I'm really getting at is, um, is iron, getting that shot ironed into my brain, which is, you know, hard into the wall, uh at a slow pace, or not a slow pace, but a gradual pace, not a pace that's going to, you know, throw my pin all over the place. Um, just a slow pace, but not, not giving up on the, the back end there. Um, I know my aiming is decent. I, I can aim pretty good. So the rest of it is, is in the release hand. And even if you can't aim good, I've heard it said by many a people that as long as you keep pulling, You'll send and you're you know you have decent form and your bow's tuned. You'll send that arrow into the middle. So just hang with it. Um, yeah. So bow junkie, bringing you some gold once in a while, huh? I dig it. Uh, you know, say what you will about Greg Poole, uh, but that was a good interview and there's good information there. So I think you guys should check it out. Um, let's see. On my list of stuff, the Chris Perkins. The Chris Perkins uh, controversy, where you have people cheering when he uh, when he missed. Okay, so I had said on my last episode, "Hey guys, your professional athletes learn to deal with it, right?" Uh, and my buddy JD hit me up and said, "Hey, you need to know the whole story before you go making that kind of statement." And I said, "Well, please tell me what the story is." Well, apparently, uh, Perkins had hecklers in the stand that were hooting and hollering and making all kinds of weird-ass noises when he was shooting. And that, I think, is unacceptable. That's pretty fucked up. And, you know, if that's the case, then I, you know, I called that wrong. But according to Perkins' post, you know, just going off of what he said, he said they cheered when he missed, didn't make him feel good about himself. You know, boo-hoo. But if what my buddy's telling me is correct and people are trying to fuck him up while he's shooting... That shit, I think, warrants a, 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 you know, stop the clock, find those dudes, kick their asses out, because in no way is that good or part of our sport. I think, uh, you know, being polite and shutting the fuck up while people are shooting is is uh, the culture of our sport, or at least it should be. So... I don't know. That I want to thank my buddy JD for clearing that up for me. You guys know me. Uh, I love being corrected on this show because I want to bring you guys the, uh, you know, the unfiltered truth, as we could call it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what a cringy joke. Um, let's see. I Okay, so outdoors coming up, guys. Uh, my buddy Antero... Uh, he shoots out of Lodi Archery. He is developed, or well, he has developed a whole fuckload of orange vinyl dots, so that you can, uh, you know, at all the different sizes, you'll find it reading. And I think he even lists the uh, yardages on each of the sizes, or near it. Or he'll give you like a little template that tells you all that stuff. Uh, if you guys want to grab a set, um, 
he goes by Two Two Archery on uh, Facebook. So that's pretty clever. Two Two Archery. You guys know that's what we're always striving for in the games. A twenty two. Um, but yeah, uh, Antero is going out trying to make a little bit of scratch just so he can shoot. Uh, the guy's in very much a similar boat that I am, where you are married, you have children. Uh, you don't have it all mastered like some of these older guys that have like a bunch of kids. <laughs> and so we, uh, you know, got to make a little extra money on the side to, uh, to get out and compete. Uh, his method is m far more creative than mine. Uh, Antero is going to try to sell something, i.e. the vinyl orange spot. Um, I picked up a set, so, you know, I'm not going to be able to make it out to the range all the time. What I intend to do is, um set up all the smallest like the birdie dots in my backyard and practice every morning that's my intention pretty cool i gotta say uh yeah the way i try to, did i already say this the way i try to make money for events is just sell shit i'm just selling all my old gear it's amazing how much old gear you have laying around uh it really <laughs> It's just dollars sitting there if you're not using it. You know what I mean? Uh, like just this week, I think I sold three releases. And uh, what else did I sell? I think I'm selling some old hunting stuff. So that's what's funding me. Uh, you know, I think what Antero has is a great idea. The vinyl orange spot's a huge thing to get used to aiming. Um, Domagoy. Domagoy Budin, he came over to Redwood Bowman one year. Right before Reading. And uh, I got to practice with him. And one of the ways he practiced before going to shoot the course, right? Like, we have an awesome course in Oakland, the, the Redwood Bowman. If you don't mind having your windows broken in the parking lot, because it is Oakland, uh, the course is phenomenal. We have one of the most diverse uh, archery courses, I think, in the whole Bay Area. And um, Domagoy loved it there. But what he would do while he was waiting for me to show up, because, you know, he was like, hey, let's practice. While he was waiting for me to show up, he literally just had a bunch of orange dots on a piece of paper at 60 yards, and he was getting used to aiming at orange. That's all it was. He was just aiming and shooting, and he was just getting his brain and aim acclimated to aiming at orange. I thought that was awesome. So I intend to do that this year. Uh, if I can, I won't shoot anything but orange until indoor season. But I don't know. My, my outlaw season's kind of... Uh, kind of been tanked um it doesn't mean i'm not going to be able to get out and shoot i'm still going to get out and try to shoot every single one of these shoots just uh i'll be doing it single day i probably won't make reading but i'll make or i should say the the reading warm-up because i'll be at the big reading i got a killer partner for reading and uh i'm very stoked about that so two two archery guys uh and tarot selling orange spots i think that's crucial um if you don't want to buy antero's orange spots Get a piece of dinner plate, or get a dinner plate, spray paint an orange dot on it, and hang it somewhere. Um, you will eventually shoot that dinner plate out, though, and you will need <laughs> to replace it. So I think the orange spots offer a lot of convenience. They also have all the different, like, the uh, regulation sizes that I said before. Um, I used to have something from 365 Archery that was a block target. It was a rubber block target that had all the redding dot sizes on it. And I shot that thing to shit. Um, that thing was awesome, but some people would uh, 
I think I had someone either broke an arrow or something inside that target, that rubber target. So every time I reached in to pull my arrows, I would like get poked by an unseen piece of carbon. That fucking sucked. Um, so yeah, I think the sticker is probably the best way to go. I got a bunch. Uh, I know I'm going to get my mileage out of the small stickers uh, just because I'm going to be practicing at home a lot. But, you know, my intent, you know, my plan is to take the 65 yard sticker or the 60 yard sticker and uh, go pound on that for a long time at uh, probably not Oakland just because I already paid to have my window replaced. Um, I'll probably go to SFA uh, in Pacifica. They have a nice flat uh, feeder range up there, and I would like to go pound at like 65 and 100 yards. I get my long distances taken care of. Um, yeah, so check it out, guys. 2-2 archery. Uh, I'll stop badgering you with that. Um, someone, a good friend of mine, asked me, Hey, Wendell, should I move my arrow rest forward for field arrows? And my answer is probably not. Um, but I like to test everything. <laughs> I would take your field arrows, shoot them, and check what your torque tune looks like. Torque tune left and right. Uh, is it good? Could it be better? Adjust it, you know. But then look at your groups. Because if you guys remember in the Randy Long interview, he's, he straight up said, like, torque tune isn't always the end-all, be-all for group tuning. Sometimes... You can find a better spot, a better grouping spot for your arrow rest that isn't torque tune related, you know. And this is a problem because a torque tune is, you know, you're torquing hard right, hard left. How often do you torque in one of those directions um, or in both of those directions when you're shooting? Uh, unlikely. Most likely you torque a little bit in one direction all the time. I know for myself... If I'm shooting a bow that's totally neutral, that has the back bar straight back, I am torquing my bow to like 1 or 2 o'clock on the bow hand all the time. Um, so that's something to uh, to look at. Um, I only torque it one way. I don't torque the other way. So maybe, maybe I'll do some group tuning over torque tuning. But we'll see. I've always liked torque tuning, and I've always gotten really good results with it. Bows always become really quote forgiving afterwards so that's usually my starting point you know uh if i can get out to sfa to practice that that will be my plan will be to uh do some some form of group tuning all right guys um what else is going on uh, this weekend i am shooting indoor nationals in sacramento i am missing shooting orange dots with all my friends all my friends are going to Spenceville, or uh, is it Spenceville? Yuba Sutter, or is it Spenceville? Uh, all my friends are going to shoot on Sunday in Spenceville. I hope you guys all have fun. Um, I'm going to attempt to cover it with my boots on the ground there. They're going to tell me what's going down, and I'll uh, try to cover results for that shoot. Uh, I'll let you guys know how Indoor Nationals goes. You guys know it takes a couple weeks to, to tabulate all the scores for this event. I'll tell you how it is locally done. It looks like it's going to be a pretty small turnout. Um, that is uh, this weekend, and I think ASA Foley is going down. Uh, it, I got two friends that are shooting it, uh, my buddy Neil and my buddy Carlos. Good luck to you guys. Um 
ASA is always something I'd like to do, but something I'm sure I would suck dick at. So uh, I'll still try it. I think when Break the Berries comes around and, you know, wifey's feeling permitting, I'll go give it a, a stab. But uh, until then, it's orange spots and yellow spots for me. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, and I hope you enjoy the show. Uh, it's Archer Unfiltered bringing you more trustworthy news in CNN. Peace. Well, guys, that was day one of Indoor Nationals. It's down done. Pretty cool group of people there today. Kyle Douglas showed up. Uh, Caleb Cuiocho. I got two Expendables, Randy Long and Mark Rubio there. Um, myself. It was uh, it was a fun day. Uh, I did not shoot. I gave myself a budget to shoot, you know, to, like a budget of misses, and I exceeded my budget. So I am in point debt right now. <laughs> I uh, didn't shoot the scores I wanted, but you know what? It's okay. It's kind of the end of indoor season. I'm just there to have fun uh, and see what I can do. So it was pretty cool. I think uh, Kyle Douglas only dropped one, which was pretty impressive. Um, I know Caleb and Randy and Mark all shot great. Uh, Heather Gore Smith was there, or is there. She shot great. So I'm interested to see where she lands in her division. Um, I know Caleb is going to be doing good in his division, and uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. I am I'm a little tempted to uh, blow tomorrow off and go shoot outdoors, but you know I'm not exactly sure if you know if that's the thing to do or not. It's kind of not my uh, not in my personality to do that. I, I go down with the ship, baby. <laughs> So, anyway, that's how things are panning out now. I think I got a great guest for you guys tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to get inside the brain of a, a Vegas champion, and um, that will be awesome. So, thank you guys for listening. Uh, I, I appreciate all the support, and it's outdoor season now, guys. Let's get it going. Let's get it rolling. I, I'm so excited to tell you guys about arrow builds and, uh, you know, what I can test and figure out for outdoor. Hopefully, it's information that you guys can use as well. So, um, yeah. You didn't put down the score I wanted today, but you know what? At least I'm not throwing sack. <laughs> so, <laughs> peace out, everyone. <laughs>